0: episode of the It's Just Dinner podcast. I'm your host, Tom Robinson, here with my co-host, Bob Walls. Hi, Tom. Glad to be here. Welcome. Thanks. Excited decided to have you here. Yes. Great to be here. You know, last week I did a It's Just Dinner presentation. I heard about that. I heard it went really it, well. You're really, a big hit. It, was, it went really, really well. Um, I think I was a big hit. At least everybody laughed at the right... At the right spot. That's how you know if you can keep them awake and they're laughing, and it's a big hit. It was a it was a big deal, and I think that I changed a lot of hearts that day. Really, I convinced a lot of young men and young women to actually go out on dates and have fun, and to quit worrying about getting married.
1: Now, isn't that kind of the the what we're trying to do with this whole thing here, Tom? This, is to change hearts to really to change the paradigm of the dysfunctional nature of dating that we find here in. Utah County and in the LDS culture. Ab-
0: absolutely. And I think the problem that we're faced with is that the, the beliefs that these young people have have been uh, they've been indoctrinated with it. and that's a really unusual word to use because I have to be really careful not to associate yes. with the doctrine of the church. But a lot of what they were taught by their parents and by their young men's and young women's leaders have kind of forced them into these beliefs about what dating is and what dating should be. And that when they come to BYU, it's all about going out and getting married, and that they shouldn't really be that interested in having fun. And so the whole, this whole podcast, my, my presentation, Firesides that I do, all about really kind of changing that paradigm. Right, so we have a paradigm that exists, and it
1: is dysfunctional, which we have identified. And so whose fault is that? <laughs> I think it's your fault, Bob. I think it is too, and that's <laughs> what I'm here to do today. I'm here to just lay myself bare and confess this is called Confessions of a Church Leader. That oh, might sound odd. It, it does sound odd. So explain what you're talking about. Well, um, I served uh, twice as the young men's president in my home ward. And, and, I served and
0: by the way, I was three times yes. as young men's president. Well,
1: and that's kind of what happens yeah. to you in the church, yeah. that you know, if you're energetic and you like going to church and stuff, pretty soon you get, get called to the young men's calling, which is what I wanted to do because right. it's, it's a lot more... You get the same credit for going camping and doing playing basketball right. that you do for sitting in those boring high priest meetings. <laughs> Ooh, I should, probably shouldn't have said that. Um, but I, then I served in both of those wards. After I was the young men's president, I served in the bishop, as the bishop of those wards. So for eight years, I was the young men's president, and for 10 years, I was the bishop. And, and, you, so were my, and you were my bishop. I was, yeah. and, but you were not one of the young men in no, the I ward. No, I was not. I was not a young I'm man. Not that much older than you, <laughs> Tom. Um, but during that time, it's interesting now looking back on it. And I tried my hardest, and I, I think I did a good job of, of, you know, teaching the doctrine to the young men yeah. and running the programs of the church, right. the scouting program and the venturing program, the exploring program back when we had it. But when you're a church leader, you kind of look for different marks, markers of success, right? And so most of the time you're kind of wondering if I'm doing a good job. And it's not, you know, the, the stake president only comes and talks to you when you're not doing a good job. But kind of one of the things that you look for, and I think this is pretty common for most uh, young men's presidents and bishops in the church, and that is if you can say, every one of the priests in my ward served a mission.
0: All 100%. 100%. Yeah.
1: Then that means that you were a rock star. You yeah. were stellar as the bishop and the young men's president. I, and I
0: think in our church that 100% means a lot right. in a lot of different areas. Yeah, we, we,
1: we incorporate that in, and I think a lot we do that because we don't really have an indicator of how well we're doing. And everybody wants to do a good job. They want to serve well in their calling, and they want to do a good job, and they want to help the members of their ward or their young men's quorum that they're working with. And so this isn't the doctrine of the church. It's not like you know you get a directive from Salt Lake that says have every young man in your ward serve a mission. You know certainly President Kimball said every young man should serve right. a mission, and I think President Hinckley followed that up with every worthy young man should serve a mission. And, and then uh, so I think that I and many other church leaders maybe went a little bit further in order
0: to accomplish this. Well, we took that charge very serious. We did. And we heard President Kimball say that, and I quoted that many times in in young men's and priesthood meetings that every young man should serve a mission. And, And I did everything I could to go out and try to help the young men to go out and prepare and get ready to serve right. a mission.
1: And and I think that was good. I, I think that our intentions were good. We weren't bad oh, and there's, people. And there's nothing this. wrong with
0: going on a mission. No, there's certainly it's, not. And, it absolutely changes right. young men. and, that, and that makes, them, makes
1: them better men. Right, it does. And, and that's what I'm saying here. And I think our way that we instituted this was good in that we, we said, if I'm going to be a missionary, I'd be a missionary now, because we sing that song. Right, right. And, and, and so... We decided that the time for missionary preparation began in the deacon's quorum. At 12 years old. And so that's when you got the Aaronic Priesthood, and we decided that that's when we would start your mission preparation. It's still a good idea. But I think that we took a look at that, and we said, what are the impediments of serving a mission? Right,
0: what things are going to keep a young man... From serving a mission, right, and, and
1: so we identified certain things like having a car or you know being a financial not debt getting your or Eagle Scout, not getting your Eagle Scout. You know, we, we identified those things, but I think the main thing that came in our crosshair was having a girlfriend. Oh, no question that, that derailed you from serving on a mission because some kids, you know, they got to that age and they didn't want to leave their girlfriend, and so you know, or they weren't worthy because they because they had a girlfriend, because they had a girlfriend, and and so. We decided that um, it would probably be best if they just didn't associate with girls, right? Because that was just a distraction, and that would remove them from what our goal was of being full time missionaries, right? So I, I, I still don't know that that was a really a bad thing. Ex- no. Except I think we were looking at it in hindsight, and we were looking back at it on our missions, and I, you know, I remember thinking. Why did I waste my time dating all those girls before <laughs> my mission? Because they all married somebody else. Right. And well, so I came home and married the most beautiful girl in the world. So why did I waste all that time dating? I should have just come home and married her when I got home from my mission. And so it
0: was a waste of my time. Right. And I think I think a lot of men our age maybe sat on their missions and said, I wish I had been a little more prepared. Right. I wish I had read the scriptures more often. I wish I had studied the missionary lessons more, and, and back in our days, we had to have them memorized. And yeah. I, I wish I'd had them mem- the memorized. I wish I had spent more time preparing and less time goofing around. Right. And, Go- and, that, goof, and Goofing around with that girl who married uh, somebody else. And Yeah, and broke my, kind my of heart. A, kind of a waste know. of time anyway. Right.
1: And so collective—we I mean, didn't communicate about this, or it wasn't a program of the Church, but I think that we—you know, the word just kind of spread mouth to mouth, and we kind of, kind of adopted this same program— that we went to the the deacons and we said, Okay, your missionary preparation starts right now. Today. Today's today today. You, you're you're in that's where you're headed on this. And there was a lot of other things, scripture reading and all those things that were good. But among that, we said to the deacons, you know, those girls over there, the beehives, they're great and everything,
0: but don't pay a lot of yeah, attention. Across to them. the hallway. Are the beehives, yeah, and don't mess around with them. Yeah. Don't get involved and with them because they're trouble. They're <laughs> they, well, they distract you. Yeah, they distract they you. Distract you from, from, your from the ultimate objective, yeah. which is to serve a mission.
1: So, is there, and, and at twelve, that was not really a a problem for the deacons because yeah. they didn't really like yeah, girls were at kind that of, age They were anyway. kind of gross, and, and the girls distracted. certainly didn't like them. You know, because they were picking their nose and you yeah. know whatever. And they weren't ready for you know for interaction with the young women. And so that was kind of easy at 12. But at 14, the boys kind of start noticing. These girls look different. Yeah, they, they're, you know, their body is different than my body. <laughs> you know. And so they start to becoming intrigued by that. And so we stepped in and we said, Now, uh, proper relations with a young woman is that you don't date until you're 16. And, you know, once a month we'll have a get-together with the laurels and we'll— Be, The,
0: yeah. The, or
1: the the, the, uh, the My, my mates. maids. And we'll do some kind of an activity, and that's the proper relationship that you have with the young women. But other than that, just kind of leave them alone because they're gonna distract you from your goal, and that is going on a mission. Just serve a mission. And so that was pretty easy to do too, but then they come to 16, and now- oh, Finally, we get the date. Yeah, now they can date, or they think they can They date. think they can. And in many cases, we pulled them aside and we said something to the effect, you know, if you're going to date, go on a group date. And you really don't need to date at all. You know, in fact, if you don't go on any dates before your mission, it's just kind of a waste well, of and your we'll, time.
0: And, and I, I think maybe they said, we'll let you have that one prom date. Yeah. And that's it. But yeah. you have to go in a group. But it had to be in had a group. It has to be in a group.
1: And so that whole thing kind of blew up and exploded, too. Anyway, because the, uh, we, we came up with this idea, and I don't take credit for this. You know, I'll take credit for my fault, but I did not invent this creative dating <laughs> no. business. There, I don't know. There's some woman somewhere who invented that, but it was not me. I'm, I'm not going to get blamed for that. Where if you're going to go on a date with a, a girl, the the prom or whatever, you have to do some spectacular thing to ask her. You know, akin oh, to yeah. a, a a proposal. You know, you've got to fill her bathtub with fish, or you've got to fill her room with balloons, or you've got to get a sky writer to say, will you go with me? And then she has to do some spectacular thing to say, yes, uh, you know, and, and I think the problem with that is that we, in the few times that the young men did go out on dates during those uh, formative years of 16 to 18, they were taught that it had to be a spectacular production. Huge event. Yeah. A- well, and,
0: and even worse, we, they would put something on the young woman's front door, they would knock and they'd run away. Yeah. So you didn't, because then you, they had to respond yeah, to they, you in kind. And you didn't want a face-to-face <laughs> no. confrontation there. So it, it had
1: to be it had to be secretive, right. you know. And uh, so then you went on the date, and it started with breakfast. And then you went and had breakfast with the group, and then you came home and you changed, and you went and played volleyball or some kind of thing, bowling or whatever. And then, you you know, you came back after that, and then you got dressed and you went to the, to the, the, dance. the dance or the prom. And then afterwards you went to somebody's house and watched a movie. And then after that, you went to somebody else's house and had ice cream. And it, so it was a day long event, event that you did one time. It, it was a one time, right. you know, thing, unless a younger girl asked you out. But a lot of times that for many young men, that was their date right. that they went on. And so We looked at that as a positive because we said, just go in groups, and then that way you're not going to be as distracted. Safety in numbers. And and you're not going to get um, serious with anybody. And I think that we failed to understand the importance in those formative years of developing real proper relationships with young women of your age. Right. Meaning learning how to talk to them and learning how to, uh, because women think differently than men Oh, yeah. So then uh, there's a lot of people, and parents are to blame on this too, uh, that they tell their sons they can't date until you're 18, single date.
0: Right. Uh, Only group dating between 16 and 18. Yeah,
1: and then at 18 you can single date. And and the problem with that is now they go on missions at 18. At 18, 18. right. And so your date ends up being another uh, 18-year-old male who you're going to now Go and live with for two years, and it's very clear on your mission that you're to stay away from girls completely.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: That now they're arm's uh, length. Yes, and and we go to extensive measures to convince the missionaries to stay away from girls. And if <laughs> they seem to be flirting with the girls, you know, we report that to the mission president, and they're transferred you know, right away. Yeah, and so there's the, the girls are taboo when right. you're a missionary, and that's for a good reason oh, because we, we do have problems. So now you come home from your mission. And so the, the problem with being the young men's leader, it's great, and I loved it. That was a great uh, aspect of my life. But you didn't really realize uh, what happened to them after they had their mission farewell. Right. They would leave on their mission. They'd have their farewell. And then they'd come home, and they'd give a homecoming. And it would be just spectacular. And we'd say, wow, they've really changed That's in true. the last two years. You know, now they're very spiritual and amazing what that mission did right. for them. And we were right. And then they left, and we just assumed they went off and lived happily ever right. after. And so we never saw the young men after th- their mission, many times after right. the mission homecoming. They went someplace else, and they were not in our purview anymore. So we were concentrating again on the 12 to 18-year-olds as our primary missionary training yeah. function. And then
0: as a, as a young men's leader, we had all these young men go on missions, and we were successes. Right. We had, we had successfully sent all these young men on on missions. We had done our jobs. They had come home and they had brought, done their homecoming talk. They'd went off to college and then we kind of patted ourselves on the back right. and said, congratulations, look another, how well we another did. Success another success story. Another success story. And then we just wait around to get their um, invitation their, to their wedding. To, to their wedding. Right.
1: And, and that was our, our factory that we created. Right. So for many of the young men, it worked well you know there there were some who went through that process and it worked just fine for them um, but i don't think that we you and i really discovered the problem until we were called to serve in the young single adult state right. that's when states. that's when i began to realize that all was not well right and we we realized that this plan had some flaws there were some it. a few flaws and that was a little bit concerning because we kind of created this mess and now we were living it. Yeah,
0: and I and I, I quite honestly, as a bishop, I sat and I pondered this and I thought about it and I and I looked at it and and I thought to myself, I honestly thought this in my mind. What have I done? Yeah. What have I done that has caused this problem? Mm-hmm. And the problem simply was that we raised a group of young men who did not know how to talk to young women, and certainly did not know how to date them. Right. And when you talk to them, when I would talk to them one-on-one, they would say to me, I, I have never been on a date before. I have never asked a girl out on a date, and I thought when I got home from my mission it was going to be so easy. Right. It was going to be so simple. I was still dealing with investigators of the church every day, and I was approaching them, and I was talking to them, and now talking to a young woman was going to be easy, mm-hmm. but they found out that that wasn't the case, that it was a lot more difficult than they thought. And I thought, how could I have prevented this? How could I have made this better? And I honestly, I looked back at my own life and I thought, well, how was I different than that? Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I thought about, and you and I have talked about this many times, was that I dated. Mm -hmm. And I didn't date a lot, but I did date. I did ask girls out for dates on the phone. I went, my parents allowed me to go to the movies with young women or to putt-putt or to uh, bowling or whatever. And I would go one-on-one with these girls and I would talk to them and I would get to know them and I would interact with them so that when I came home from my mission, I didn't have that handicap. Mm-hmm. And, and then as you said earlier, as you were talking, that somehow when I became a young men's leader, the, the most important thing for me was that, that that those young men that I was in charge of go on a mission. I stopped thinking about... Their life after a mission, mm-hmm. and I stopped thinking about what their life would be in terms of dating if I told them not to date their whole their whole uh, young men's you know during young men's. I mm-hmm. mean, and then I got a little worried about it.
1: Well, and I think the reasoning that we did that, as
0: I look back at it, and
1: it was all based on good things. We weren't, um, you know, we weren't bad people, but we came up with the statement, "The best two years of your life." Oh yeah. And I think that statement was a reflection of how we felt after our missions, even though they were hard, and we looked back on them and said, that, that was a wonderful time of service, and it was the best two years of my life. And we, we kind of adopted that as, as, as what a mission is, right. and it's really not necessarily true. No. You know, Especially today. If I tell my wife my mission
0: was the best two years of my <laughs> life, that does not make her feel very good. No, in fact, in fact Sunday, I brought that up in my, my presentation that I gave to one of the wards, and I said... I said, it was not true. It was not the best two years of my life. And I, my wife was there and I pointed at her and I said, two years with that woman were the best two years of my life. And I actually scored a lot of points Yes, by saying that. So that's what I say. That's the truth.
1: Either the first two years of my marriage or the last two were the (laughs) the best, best two. The best two. But I, you know, I certainly can't tell my wife, look at her in the face and say the best two years of my life was when I was living with other men. And I didn't know you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's been a lot of that's transpired, and you know, having my kids, and there's a lot of life left right. after those two years. But in the young men's program, that's all we focus on. Right, is that that's going to be the best two years of your life, and that the mission is the most important thing that will happen to you. Okay, in your so life.
0: how do we fix this? You well, know, you I, and I've talked I, about it's just dinner. We've talked about dating, but if we have young men walking around the Provo area and, and the Utah area, and we have them afraid to talk and afraid to date, right. and they've never done it before, and they've been caught up in this this little cyclone that we've created. How do we fix it? How do we help them from this mm-hmm. point on?
1: Well, first we have to stop the bleeding, and we have to get the message to the parents and the young men leaders, stop doing that.
0: Yeah, please tell your parents to listen to the, this the, podcast. The,
1: the mission is not the most important thing in your life. Actually getting Married in the temple for time and all eternity is the most that important thing the, in your life. That is the number
0: one thing. And, and, and by the way, we do a great job of mission prep Yes. At, from, from, from 12 to 21. We do a terrible job of celestial right. marriage prep. So let's keep the mission prep. Let's
1: put it in context of doing a, a temple preparation to say that having a relationship with a young woman and marrying her in the temple is the most important thing right. you're going to do in this life. So it requires you to step outside of yourself and get to know and have conversations with... You don't have to kiss girls. You don't have to have inappropriate relations. But you can have appropriate relations right. where you learn to talk to people of the opposite gender and realize they're different than you and make friends with them. So the, the answer to this, at first, you know, I think that uh, I blamed this on the young men. I thought, well, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with you? They don't know. And, and so realizing now that it was my fault and taking full responsibility with all your dads and, you know, and everybody else, uh, you know, collectively. I'm not going to swing on my own for this. But, but uh, I think now the, the, the most important thing is that the young men need to learn how to have conversations with, um, with, with women their age that they're not necessarily attracted to. Right.
0: That it, Well, it, it, it attraction really doesn't have to be a part of it. Right. It has to be just actually sitting across and having a conversation. Just me and you talking and getting to know one another.
1: And the more they can do that and the more comfortable they can come with just having a casual conversation with someone, the happier they're going to be right. and more comfortable they're going to be in dating. Right. And so dating doesn't become a task. Now, OK, I went on my mission and I am come home and I'm looking for a wife and, and it's too much pressure where dating is supposed to be just about fun. Just about having a great time. Meeting new people, getting to know them and communicating with them and having fun. And
0: how many times have you and I said that just on this podcast? So many times. If we had a nickel for every time, we could afford a free dinner at Guru's. So listen, young men and young women, there is a cure for this. And it's just actually going out and sitting down and talking one-on-one. And that's why I, I came up with It's Just Dinner. It's just I wanted to figure out a way to make it easy. I wanted to make it easy, an easy way for a young man To go up to a young woman and say, you know, hey, let's go have a meal and let's talk. I remember last week when I asked you out and let's have a let's have a conversation and let's get to know one another and make it simple and take all the pressure out of it. And let's just if we can get all the young people that are listening to this to just stop stressing over dating and marriage and just start thinking about having a good time, then maybe we can fix some of the things that are going on. And I think your concept, Tom, here is brilliant.
1: It's a brilliant idea. And I think if uh, the young single adults in the church and here in Utah County listen to our podcast and listen to your presentations, their hearts will change. I hope so. And they'll see a change and we can can actually change this uh, dysfunctional nature of dating and turn it into something fun by just shifting people's attitudes towards it. Instead of it being a process and a task It's now just a fun thing to do. So I totally support what you're doing here, Tom, and whatever I can do to support you
0: uh, other than giving you money. Great job. I'm happy to do that. Well, listen, everyone, we have a Facebook page. It's the it's just dinner Facebook page and go out there and like us. And uh, when you go out to dinner, take a picture, take a selfie and put it up on our Facebook page. Tell us about your experience. Tell us how much fun you had getting to know one another. And then we also have a website where we're it's packed full of information, ideas, uh, it's not about marriage. It's just about dating. It's just about having fun. It's it's just dinnerysa.com. We also have an Instagram page, so you can follow us on it's just dinnerysa on Instagram. And we're doing a, we're trying to really get the word out and trying to get a lot of information out to you, just to try to help you to have fun. So look, just go out there and have fun, and have a great time getting to know one another.